Church, how are you today? Would you stand away with somebody across the room? Let them know you're glad they're here this morning for the last Sunday of 2023. Aren't you grateful for all he's done this year? It's been a good year, amen. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy. Aren't you grateful 
for the year that's behind and the year that's ahead. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. You are worthy. We worship you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. We honor you today. Wonderful is your name, Lord Jesus. We rest in your name. We trust in your name. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's so wonderful to worship together. I love that song. Pastor Chip, thank you for singing it. Holy Forever, my favorite song. I listened to it probably 10 times already this morning, actually. Praise the Lord. But before you're seated, why don't you turn around and greet several people around you. Let them know your name and uh, give them a warm welcome and God bless you. Yeah, it's too far back. I don't know where it goes here. This looks like it right here. I see one right here. For those of you who are worshiping with us this morning online, we're so glad that you have joined us as well. Amen. You're part of our family. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, here we are. Christmas is over. I hope you had a little bit of a restful week this week. Praise the Lord. After all of the festivities of the holidays, it's a wonderful time to uh, uh, slow down a little bit, reflect on... Um, on our lives and on the past and, and the future going forward. Amen. Uh, let's see, is there anybody here? If you're here today and it's your very first time, we're so glad that you're here. And if you wouldn't mind just filling out a connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, putting it in the offering as the ushers come by, we would appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have the ushers come and we're going to receive our offering this morning. Thank the Lord. I've got a scripture I want to read to us. Hallelujah. Hmm. Well, doesn't exactly have anything to do with the offering, but somehow I'll make it fit. Uh, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Thank God those are his plans for us. And then, for those of you in here who may be a little more mature, I like this scripture. Psalm 92.14 they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. That's a good verse. Amen? That's a great verse. And then Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And 2 Timothy 1, 9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Hallelujah. So thank God for his purpose for our life. 
And we each of us have a purpose, regardless of our age, regardless of the season that we are in, God has a purpose for every day of our life. And for us to just uh, remember this and take the time about it, you know, we're gonna discover God's purpose as we feed on his word. And so I challenge each of us that be sure to read our Bible every day in this upcoming year. And, uh, you know, you can read like one of the epistles in the, in the New Testament. You can read it in a day, very simply, you know. First Timothy, you can read in one day. Or even if you read it in two days. Uh, but you can, you can read so much in the New Testament. And we should really live out of the epistles because that's written to the church. And we can, and, and you can just read. Sometimes I just pick an epistle that I really like and I just read it that day. And if you don't read it in one sitting, you know, you have your phone, download the Bible app, and you can read it wherever you go. Amen. And um, we discover God's purpose as we read his word. I'm amazed sometimes. Thank you, ushers, for like putting, bearing with me. Anyway, uh, I'm amazed sometimes my husband and I will talk about different things that we see people do or we see people say, how we see people live, and we just say, if they would just read the Bible, the Bible's really clear on some of these subjects. And if, uh, and in my grandchildren, you know, I tell my grandchildren sometimes, they ask me questions about different things that's going on in the world. And I have to say to them now, which I didn't necessarily say this like this to my children, but I do to my grandchildren. And I say, you know what? I said, there are some Christians who don't read their Bible. And there are some Christians who don't do what the Bible says. And so what they're doing and what they're saying really isn't in the Bible. And so that's why it's important that we read the Bible but not just read the Bible, but do what the Bible tells us to do. For then, as the scriptures that we, read, that we read, our ways will be prosperous. God will prosper us. God will bless us in every area of our lives. And you know, sometimes God is blessing us, and we don't even know he's blessing us. We're not even aware of what he's protected us from. We don't, we don't even know all the things that could have happened but didn't happen to us because we're walking in the blessing of God. And so I've had to tell that to my grandchildren sometimes when they question me about different things and I'll say, well, honey, they may be Christians and they may say that Jesus is in their heart, but they're not doing the words of Jesus. And so if we wanna live really truly blessed lives in every way, and we do that by spending time reading his word and then practicing his word. It's, it's quite simple, really, because there's no way we're going to ever get everything that we need to get by coming to church on Sunday or even listening to other good messages in the week. You're never going to hear every subject that's discussed in the Bible. And so thank God we have the Bible. Hallelujah. And thank God we know that God has a purpose for every single one of our lives in here. Uh, we read this scripture uh, last week, I think. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so for us to look for ways in our life, monetarily, yes, but not just monetarily, to obey the word, what the Bible says about giving, what the Bible says about giving offerings and tithing, not just that, but beyond that, to looking for ways every day of our life to touch someone's life for eternity, to touch someone's life with the love of God, 
with truth in any way that God sends them to us. And uh, to live, you know, life becomes exciting and life becomes an adventure when we live with that purpose in our heart and in our mind every single day. So uh, I just challenge each of us, all of us, that this next year, that even more so than we have done, that we live purposeful lives for eternity and for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we bring these offerings to you today. We tithe and when I bring our offerings because we honor you, because it's a symbol of our dedication to you, because it's a symbol of our trust in you. Because if it's a symbol of our worship and our obedience, hallelujah. And we don't just bring our gifts today, Lord, but we also offer ourselves. We offer our thoughts, our words, and our actions that they would be conformed to your will according to the word of God and for our lives, O Lord. So we thank you. We thank you that we can join together and celebrate our Savior. We thank you that we can join together and honor and worship his name. Talk to our hearts today, Lord. Reveal the truth of God to us. Shine the light of God in our minds and in our hearts. We are open to do all that you tell us to do. In Jesus' precious name. If you can agree with that, say amen. Family, after you've had the chance to give, would you stand and worship with us again today?
Father, for your great mercy toward us, your faithfulness, and your willingness to keep your word. We thank you that you watch over your word to perform it in every respect for each and every one of us. We love you, Father. We thank you that everything that we do today, Father, will be directed by the Holy Ghost. And we'll give you the honor and the glory for all that is done. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I uh, intended this morning to talk to you about the history of the church a little bit. Um, our church first started having services on the first Sunday of January in 1986. That was, uh, that was the 5th, January the 5th. But when I got to church, it occurred to me this is not the first of the year yet. So I think I'm going to talk to you on God's report card. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's trying to explain to him about spiritual things, and Nicodemus just doesn't have a clue about what Jesus is speaking of, on. Jesus says to him in John chapter 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Beth and I had, uh, both of us worked for Brother Hagen for several years. She was there a little bit before I got there. And we had worked in, uh, she worked in the, uh, initially in the crusade department 
and then moved over to head the prayer department that they had there. And I was uh, still part of the crusade team when the Lord spoke to us and directed us to leave working with Kenneth Hagin Ministries and enter a different area or phase of ministry. So we were traveling mostly in the States, but some overseas too. And we were holding, um, going to churches and so forth, teaching, ministering the Word. But there's, there was something that began to change in our hearts. And um, I knew that there was something that was, there was some change that was coming, but I didn't know what it was. There, had, uh, there were a couple of opportunities that uh, were made available to us to one, to start a church in the Chicago area and another to uh, take over the church in another part of the country. And that, that it just didn't seem right. We weren't in a position where we had tried to dictate to God what we wanted or what, how things were going to be, but it just, the opportunities that were presented just didn't fit. It just wasn't right. And uh, so we, I was, uh, we were back in our home in uh, Tulsa. We had finished a several week uh, stretch where we had been teaching in some churches. And I stopped by the, uh, the church offices, Kenneth Hagin Ministry offices, to uh, talk with a friend of mine that was still heading up the crusade department. And uh, he told me about uh, a situation that was that had occurred with a church out in this area that uh, we were scheduled to go into. And apparently there was some kind of moral issue and the pastor had left the church and the church was divided into several different groups and we were scheduled to he asked me if I had heard anything about it and I said no and told him that we were scheduled to minister out here in about a month from that point in time and uh, he and I kind of had a running joke whenever we'd get to a place like uh, uh, the crusade team traveled by a bus and uh, so whenever we'd get to a terrible place pull into town one of us would say to the other I think God wants you to start a church here <laughs> and uh, it was just kind of a, like I said a running joke that we had held on to for a couple of years well he had a perfect opportunity and took it to say I think God wants you to go out there and pastor and when he said that, that's exactly what dropped down on the inside of my heart. Um, so we finished talking, doing whatever we were doing there. And I went home and told Beth about what uh, I had been told had happened to the church that we were scheduled to be in. 
And uh, I told her what he said, the joke that he made. And then I told her, that's what the Lord spoke to me inside of, spoke to my heart. And she didn't tell me about it at that time, but found out later that when I said that that's what the Lord spoke to my heart, she said that the Lord spoke to her about the same thing. So we carried on, kept the schedule, came out, preached a Sunday morning service in the, in the church. And it was just, it was just hell on earth. It was a service where Brother Hagin used to describe them as where the people wouldn't accept anything you had to say. It's like throwing a rubber ball against the back wall and coming back and hitting you in the face. It was just awful. And after the, after the church service was over, they took us to lunch, and that's when the real grilling started. It was, it was about three different groups represented there at the table, and everybody had their, had their own vision or idea about what should take place. And none of it had anything to do with God or the Bible or truth or anything. So we, um, we had, uh, there was one couple that was a part of the church that was our contact. We knew them from Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And uh, so they were kind of filling us in on what was going on and so forth. And after a couple of weeks had gone by, hadn't heard anything from anybody, I got a hold of him, and, uh, and he said, well, he said, they've called somebody else to be the pastor. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, what happened? Because I, I knew from what God had told me that we were supposed to come out here and but what the Lord had said is come out here and start a church. But that part of it wasn't as uh, evident to me at, at the beginning. But anyway, they said that he t told me that, that uh, part of the group that was at the lunch wanted us to come and pastor the church. But there were others in the group that uh, thought that they couldn't control me. And uh, so they... They passed, uh, and they were right about that. So Beth and I kind of regrouped, and um, I asked her, and I think we had this conversation before I had uh, uh, gotten the information from our friend, but, um, but I asked her, what would we do if they didn't call us to be the pastor there or chose somebody else. And after talking it over, we realized that that wouldn't change anything that the Lord had put in our heart. And that's when it became more evident to me that the Lord had said, start a church rather than take a church over. So we prayed about it and made some arrangements. And we came out, it was, I think it was about October of the year. 1985, we came out and came specifically for the purpose of finding out what other churches were in the area. Because we 
we knew that there was plenty of people around that needed God and needed a good church to be in that God wouldn't put us somewhere where we'd be taken, taking away from somebody else or operating in such a way that was hurtful to them. That goes back to what John, what uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Folks, we started this church based on the Spirit of God, based on what He told us to do. And there's a lot of things that we have done or could have done that, uh, that might change the numbers, that might change the, uh, well, what our church looks like. But one of the things that we learned from Brother Hagen is the importance of doing things based on what the Spirit of God leads you to do. Here we are 38, almost 38 years later. And, um, and we can honestly say that we've never tried to do anything, taking any action whatsoever to pull somebody else out, of, pull somebody away from another church and into ours. Somewhere in the life of every church, that issue becomes important. The Bible says love works no ill to his neighbor. Well, that would include churches too, wouldn't it? So we came out, looked at the yellow pages, talked to a lot of people, made a lot of calls to speak to church secretaries and so forth. And we realized that there was not another church in the area that would uh, that we would be in competition with in any way whatsoever. So we made plans from that point and within, uh, within a month or two, well, it would be less than two months. We were, we had moved everything that we had and we were renting a little condominium in Mission Viejo and a week or so away from starting a church. How do you start a church? I really don't know. I know what we did. But a lot of what we did wouldn't suit a lot of other people the way that they do things. One of the things that we found is that in the two school districts that are represented in this area, there was no school that was unoccupied as far as churches were concerned. And uh, so there was a lot of short conversations with school principals and such. And then I called a guy. One of the last calls that I had available to make and talked to the principal and told him what we were looking for. Just a small place to meet, meeting rooms, so forth. And he said that uh, he had just gotten off the phone with 
another church pastor that had been using their church, their school, for uh, church services. And that pastor had told them that they wouldn't be using it anymore. And so without letting the, without going through the school district or whatever, and the school districts had told me, had been the ones that uh, had told me that there was no available space. But just within 10 minutes of having hung up, talking with another pastor who got out of the way so we could use use the school for our church. We took that as a good sign. We were being led by the Holy Ghost as dear as we could tell. And that was the first real evident sign that we had of what God had called us to do. We found out a lot of things during the time that we were in the school. I think we were there for about three years meeting in that school. And it was a it was such a blessing to us but one of the hardest things a new church has is to deal with the people's idea that it's not a permanent church. Because as long as you're setting up chairs and tearing chairs down and taking in equipment and carting it off and stuff like that, portable transfers in many people's thinking to be temporary. So we recognized the need of having our own space. So we started looking at some buildings and see what would work for us. And I, uh, I made a real mistake in the way that we went about that because I found a place for us to rent and we went ahead and signed the lease and so forth. And then after the lease was signed, I found out all the things that had to be done to condition the space and make it qualify. There's something called a conditional use permit that became a big part of our lives for a while. There had been a um, um, a real political situation that took place. There was a big group that came in, new church starting. They moved into a building huge building with the uh, uh, with the promise that they made to the city to do all kinds of things to make the space work for um, assembly purposes and so forth. Well, that building was just down the street from the building that we rented. And Something had happened. I don't know exactly what what all was involved, but something happened, and that church just blew up into a thousand different pieces. And all the qualifications or promises that had been made to the city to condition the space had not been done. There had been people that had lost their jobs over it. And so here we are on the heels of this, just a couple of weeks after that had taken place, 
we show up at the city of Irvine, which we have since found out to be one of the toughest people to deal with that's ever been born on the planet. So here we are coming in and, and uh, applying for this conditional use permit. And so we made the application and we were given or assigned to a certain person who would handle our case and kind of oversee our process. And uh, he found out what we were about and what we wanted to do. And uh, he said because of the situation that had happened with the other group, he just said flat out, he said, you'll never get a conditional use permit from this, from the city planning board. And without going into unnecessary detail, we spent the next couple of years, really almost two years, working to satisfy the requirements of, uh, of the process. And the very guy that told us that we'd never get a conditional use permit was the one that signed on the dotted line to give us our conditional use permit. So God was with us and he was helping us, but boy, it was tough. We were pushing against what felt like the weight of the world. We found God to be faithful to us in a lot of ways. We found out the difficulties that usually translated into finances, financial difficulties of the permit process. And then over a period of time, we found those difficulties, financial difficulties to be even greater when we moved in or made progress to move in to this property. We've seen God come through in big ways. We've seen God come through in impossible things. I've seen material debts, financial debts disappear even while you're looking at them. But one of the things that we learned from Brother Hagen, there's a difference between speaking something from your heart and saying something that you want to come to pass but may not be at that same place in faith. I know that's confusing the way I said it, but what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that just make statements not because they're impressed of the Lord to do it not because they've developed their faith by meditating in the word to be there to be at that level but just because that's the way they want it to be folks there's no guarantee that you can have it the way you want it to be unless there's something behind that unless there's 
the truth of the word as a foundation for that. Now God's in the impossible business. He'll always be in the impossible business. But what a lot of people want to operate in is in many cases just excess, the excess of their mind. Beth used scripture earlier in the service, Jeremiah 29, 11. She didn't give you the backstory to that. That was at a time when Israel had been conquered by an enemy and there were people that were prophesying, claiming to prophesy by the Spirit of God that were telling people to rebel against the enemy's rule. But Jeremiah was the one that stood up and said, here's what the Lord is saying. He'll bless us even in the midst of our captivity. And he did. So you got a lot of people or there were some people that were prophesying out of what they wanted things to be. Not because God told them, but because that's what they wanted. We've seen people do a lot of that with other areas of ministry. It's not just how big the claim you can make. It's what is the Lord leading you to do. I've always been impressed with the fact that Brother Hagen was very careful with his words. He was a man that had seen the healing power of God come upon him when he first found the truth of acting in faith. But he never was one to just casually or flippantly make a claim. He always let the Lord's words come through him because that's what God would, God would keep his words. Not necessarily our words unless they're based on what God's word has already given us. There are certain scriptures that seem to me to be wraparound scriptures. I'll explain what I mean by that. There are some scriptures that just cover everything or feel like they cover everything. Galatians 3.13, for example, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's a verse of Scripture that to me seems to wrap around everything concerning the work of God versus the work of the devil. Every sickness and every disease is covered by that Scripture. Every lack Every financial need is covered by that scripture. It's just one of those that you can wrap around yourself like a blanket on a cold day. Another one of those scriptures is 
John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. By my heavenly Father, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Brother Hagin told a story, used to tell a story about a guy. There was, um, you remember the, the Hindenburg dirigible that uh, you've probably seen clips or pictures of it at some time or another? But it, uh, it caught fire and exploded. Well, there was another smaller one of these things, dirigibles, that was being um, reined in somewhere in Texas. And there was, there was some kind of problem. I don't know if it was just the wind or whatever, but there was some kind of problem that... Uh, occurred with the thing and you know how they've got lines coming off at different places from it and they would people on the ground would grab hold of the lines and wrap them around something to pull them in and that kind of stuff well there was there was a problem the lines came down and were grabbed hold and uh, taken hold of by people on the ground but then it lifted back up and so people were being carried back up hanging onto these ropes or lines. And um, as it continued to climb higher and higher, there were some people that couldn't maintain their grip on the line and fell to their deaths. And so there were, as it climbed higher and higher, there was finally one guy left and everybody was waiting for him to fall to his death just like some of the others had. And, uh, and he didn't fall. Everybody is waiting, knowing the inevitable to come. But he didn't fall. When they finally got a hold of the thing and got it down on the ground, he was the one everybody wanted to talk to. So they asked him, how were you able to hold on? And he said, well, he said, I didn't hold on. He said, when we reached a certain height, I realized what was going to happen. So I took the rope that, was, that I was hanging on to and I wrapped it around myself. He said, so no matter what was happening with the, the craft, he said, I'm just swinging, swinging around up there waiting on them to come get me. I think about that guy in relation to the wraparound scriptures that I was talking about. Here's a guy in complete danger of his life, danger of losing his life, but he's riding it out. It's not his strength that's doing the, doing the hanging on. He's hanging on to a rope. And God gives you plenty of rope, folks. What's God done to us or for us? 
concerning our healing. We've had some remarkable instances of healing. Never, in, never really in any remarkable ways. But remarkable results. You remember back in the 90s when the AIDS scare was such a, it took front page news in almost every respect. We had, in a period of about a year and a half, we had two people that were healed of AIDS. We just got a note the other day from a lady that uh, was healed of ovarian cancer. I think it was something she heard either off the website or tapes or whatever, but anyway, she's, she's cancer-free now. Has been for several years, I guess. I've had some personal experience with believing for healing for the last little while. And there's a lot about uh, a lot about my situation that I've never really spoken of. But one of the things that uh, I've never really even considered caught me by surprise this last year. The uh, I was diagnosed 13 years ago with Parkinson's disease. And it seems that they don't really know a whole lot about it. They don't know what causes it. They know what, uh, they know some things about it, it seems. But it's real easy for them to just kind of throw everything in a Parkinson's category because they don't know, because of what they don't know about it. But I was, uh, I see a neurologist about once every six months. And I don't, uh, every time I'm in there, I don't see the neurologist himself every time. Only if there's something that's out of the ordinary. But I'll see the physician's assistant. And the physician's assistant asked me, if there was anything I needed to talk to the neurologist about. And I told her no, that it wasn't nothing that I knew of. And she said this. It was, we weren't really having a conversation about it, but all of a sudden she just said, there was a strange look came on her face. And she said, well, she said, one of the things that is different about your case is that Parkinson's is a progressive disease. She said, in every other case we've ever seen, people get worse and worse. She said, you've never gotten worse. I've never considered that, never even crossed my mind. But that's something to give God thanks for that about, from my perspective anyway. She said this, she said, we have a regimen of medications 
that we can start with, that we will start with, to find the one that provides the, the greatest benefit to the patient. She said, you've started with even less than the, than the lowest, lowest uh, recommendation. And by that, she was talking about the, there's two primary medications that they put me on. And I'm supposed to take two pills three times a day. But I never did do that, never started out with that. I started out with, with twice a day for those two pills. So I'm taking four per day rather than the six per day that they originally prescribed. And they've never had to up the medication. They've never had to add any medication. They've never had to do anything. And if you want to know what I look like without medication, this is it. I forgot to take it this morning. <laughs> so it's not like something is making a big difference. Folks, God has been so faithful to us. Even in ways that we haven't, haven't recognized. Those wraparound scriptures are, are sometimes the things that keep us going. I feel like that guy hanging from the dirigible. He can't do anything about his situation. He can't put himself back on the ground unless it turns out to be a lot faster than he would like. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That verse of scripture drives the sovereignty of God, folks, just nuts. Because God says you can have what you will, not you can have what he wills. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom Paul's going to tell us how to do it teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If the word's abiding in you, then there's going to be a song in your heart. Amen. The word of Christ dwelling in you richly shall come out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That little song that uh, Dr. Yeomans, uh, not Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans, but her sister 
would get songs from the Lord. And one of the songs that she got was with me from the first day and has been sung by me with millions of times throughout the days that I've walked with God in healing. I'm not under the curse. I'm not under the curse. For Jesus has set me free. For sickness I've health and for poverty wealth since Christ has ransomed me. The verses of scripture that God has dealt with me about have been ones that well are not really the ones that I would have expected them to be. First, first scripture he gave me the first day that the symptoms occurred, that the shaking tremors occurred. Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Folks, that scripture is special to me because I control that. Because he set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I'm the one that determines where my love is set. I'm not looking for God to do anything. I'm looking to keep myself in the right position. I think so many times people are believing God to do something or believing for him to do something that he cannot do. For example, they're looking for healing to come from God in some special way. But folks, if Jesus appeared to us here in the flesh, what could he do? What more could he do to set us free from sickness and disease? He's not going back to the cross to spend more time there. God's already done everything about healing he's ever going to do. Not because he's a grumpy old man, but because it's already been done. Well, if it's already been done, what are we waiting for? Well, if we're going to do it God's way, we're going to have to take hold of it by faith. We're going to have to believe in our heart and say it with our mouth. Believe we receive when we pray. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. It goes on to say, I will set him on high because he has known my name. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. There's nothing the devil would rather do than take your love away from being set on the Father. I'm the one that decides whether the word dwells in me. God can't change that. It's not under his authority. It's mine. So he's given us scriptures 
whereby we, as an act of our own will, take hold of God's blessings And no matter how extreme the circumstances, no matter how difficult things look, we can be like the guy swinging and swinging on the ropes, keeping those ropes wrapped around us. Just enjoying the ride. Folks, we found God to be faithful. We found Him to be faithful in trouble, in sickness and disease. We found Him to be faithful to provide for His church. We found Him to be faithful in finances. You know that... Jeremiah 29, verse 11 that we were talking about a few minutes ago. That situation applies a lot to things that are happening in the world around us with the governmental policies that are in place now. It'd be real easy for us to get political and try to stand against things that we know are wrong. But rather than trying to change the politics of our country, we might have some success there, and any success we would have would be great. But I think a better way is just to believe God. A better way is just to look for God's hand to bring to pass the things that he said. He told us not to forget that he's the God that gives us power to get wealth. He's been faithful in finances so much in such a wonderful way for many years. Because we have set his love, because we have set our love upon him, therefore will he deliver us. He will set us on high because we have known his name. He shall, we shall call upon him and he will answer us. He said he will be with us in trouble. He will deliver us and honor him. With long life will he satisfy us and show him Show us his salvation. Folks, if he's going to satisfy us and show us his salvation, then that means the things that will be seen of us will be the things of God, not the things of the world. With long life will I satisfy him, he said, and show us his salvation.
I'm fully convinced that because of planting those seeds, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Because of those first seeds that we planted 38 years ago, we have put ourselves in position for God's word and God's blessing in every possible way. Because we are here because God has led us here. We are what we are because of him. He's been so faithful. So faithful to see us through. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Because we've set our love upon you, you will deliver us. Thank you, Lord, that because we dwell in you and your word abides in us, we shall ask what we will and it shall be done unto us. Thank you, Lord, for financial freedom, physical freedom. Thank you for wisdom. To know what to do in, a, in every situation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your holy name. And because we have known your name, you've set us on high. Blessed be the precious and holy name of Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Lord, as we enter into this new year, Direct our steps. Quicken our hearts, Lord. That we might know what you would have for us to do. We pray the prayer that the Holy Spirit gave Paul. We thank you, Father, for giving unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know the hope of your calling 
and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power that works in us as believers. Lord, we know the time is short. So open our understanding that we might know like we've never known before what you would have us to do the steps you would have us to take and the exceeding greatness of your power that works in us bless your holy name We bless your holy name. Blessed is the name of Jesus, the precious and holy name, the mighty name of Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Well, I guess this service is a lot like who we are. Good news, but not a lot of flash. We serve a good God. We serve a God that never changes. We serve a God that we can know through his word. Amen.
I've got an expectancy about this year. I've got an expectancy about this time, not just this year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for being a part of us. The best things are yet to come. The greater things are yet to come. Amen. Mercy endures forever. Amen. We'll have a great day, great week, and a great new year. <laughs>